Welcome to episode two of the Small Town Wealth Podcast. Our guest this week is a good friend of mine, Paul Phillips. Paul is an investment advisor with RBC Dominion Securities here in Vernon. He isn't your typical banking type and has a very interesting story to tell. Paul first sparked our interest as a podcast guest because of his philosophies, not just towards business, but towards people in general. He is soft-spoken and has a genuine love for helping people, and this will become apparent upon conclusion of this episode. Paul is a family man and chose consciously to move here to our humble city of Vernon after business stints in Vancouver and before that throughout Alberta. He has two beautiful daughters, Hadley and Kinsey. They are clearly one of the greatest joys in his life. Paul is not only actively involved in the community through his business services, he's also a musician. Prior to 2007, he released an album under the genre of radio hard rock and continues to play today. With a passion for embracing kindness and helping people, Paul is not only building a business here in Vernon, he is building a legacy. We are pumped to have him on to share his lessons in networking, taking risks in your personal life, and the importance of making authentic connections. And now, without further ado, please enjoy our conversation with Paul Phelps. Big welcome here to my good friend, Paul Phelps. Paul, thank you so much for joining us in studio today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. man. Thanks for coming on. How's your weekend going so far? It's been absolutely fantastic. I uh, ended up getting cooked a delicious meal on Friday. Oh, really? Who, yeah. who might that have been? I don't know. He just showed up with a whole bunch of food. So apparently this whole uh, fig catering thing, um, <laughs> it's actually in home. I had no idea. Oh my goodness. That's setting me up for some big problems right there. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly you guys have a history. Why don't you go into how you guys met? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll start really quickly here. So I was, uh, I was at a downtown Vernon networking event and I uh, was approached by a lady to um, meet a gentleman who was part of JCI, which stands for Junior Chamber International, and that I might be interested in joining that. So I was like, okay, sounds good. I gave her my phone number. She was going to pass it on to a guy named Paul. So I said, okay, sounds good. Uh, Paul then hadn't texted me yet, but ironically, I didn't know where he worked or anything. We got a catering for RBC Dominion Securities uh, the next day. And I walked right in there, and the moment I walk in with my basket, this one guy... I, I, my first reaction was honestly this guy presents the essence of cool like laid back in his chair a nice suit coiffed hair you know good uh good side smile going there and the moment i walked in his eyes just lit up like christmas morning he saw the food and uh it was, <laughs> I it was gonna be because of you yeah, yeah I, I saw you as well oh okay yeah. well you know I, my pungent onion smell might have really gotten to you too right oh that's so charming <laughs> So we uh, dropped the dropped the bin on the table, and you know he he seemed to have made the connection. I think uh, Lorraine was it already spoke to you, right? So he seemed to have made the connection. And he said, oh, "You're David, right?" I said, "Yes." Are you Paul? And he said, "Yes, yes, I am." So we started talking from there, exchanged phone numbers, and we decided we were gonna sit down and meet and uh, chat a little bit more. And uh, yeah, I guess the rest is history. We started to meet a little bit more at networking events. We had lunch a few times, and it was uh, it was the start of a budding friendship. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. So, yeah. No, so, was... uh, why don't you tell us who you are? Well, uh, start from the Paul. beginning, man. I was born at a very young age. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess, where do I start? Um, how my, were you born? How was I born? Yeah. Um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, easily. But uh, I believe my my mom told me that I wasn't uh, wasn't a terrible child, but I don't think I was uh, I was a wonderful child either. Um, 
my parents actually were kind of an interesting story. My my dad at college was uh, the president of the student union, like all the coolest kids in college are. And my mom was secretary to the president. Um, now, actually, just prior to this, Dave, we were talking about some some of the ladies that you've met in Vernon and just how absolutely wonderful they are. And I think sometimes it's incredible as you just meet different people uh, throughout your life and, and you just have a connection. And my dad had gone in to meet the, the president of, of the university to have a chat and he met his secretary. And as he tells it, he ended up, he kept having to come back over and over for some reason to, to meet this president. And as time went on, he uh, they got married and then eventually had, my, I have an older sister lovely lovely lady uh, and then myself and then a younger brother but when I was born I think probably one of the more interesting things uh, my parents were actually told uh, during the pregnancy that I was going to be born blind which I was up until about the age of 16 I was listed with uh, actually I guess it was 14 um, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind as a, as a blind child wow. but I Throughout kind of that that time frame, uh, I'd had a number of eye surgeries. The head of ophthalmology for Alberta was was my personal doctor, and they were able to restore my sight, um, which was wonderful. As I went to get my driver's license and I passed, and I was super excited, like any any teenager would be. Yep. When I was uh, when I was two, um, they still had no idea that I had any sight. You know, sometimes I think maybe I was just bored with what they were doing and I just didn't bother to pay attention to, uh, to anything. And maybe I was just playing, I don't know. But I was on my grandfather's back um, and he walked me under a flower planter and I reached up and grabbed it, which he thought was super weird for a blind kid. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. But he thought maybe it was just shaking back and forth. So he walked me through uh, underneath another one and I, I reached up and grabbed that one as well. And of course, then he screamed, yeah, you can see. He was, he was, he was Czechoslovakian, so, or Czech, I should say. Um, so he had a bit of an accent, but yeah, and, and he can see. <laughs> <laughs> he has the gift of sight. <laughs> it is funny too, as my my grandfather, uh, and it was my mom's father, was a farmer in Saskatchewan, um, and there was always a, a very close bond. I think after that, and and he and I talked about that a number of times as well. As I think that moment that we shared together. Um, was was just an incredible connection that that continued throughout throughout my life. But it was yeah, it was kind of an interesting thing. I'm very happy to be able to see. Uh, pretty, no kidding. Pretty excited to sit here and be able to look at all of you. And do you admit that it might have been cool to have like kind of like a daredevil life? You know, like where you're a blind guy and no, not the vigilante part, obviously. But maybe your other senses are heightened and. I think it's always funny when I when I tell the story about being blind, um, and then I casually mention the fact that you know I'd, I'd like everyone to leave as quickly as possible afterwards because I will also be driving home. <laughs> and it, and sometimes people find it funny, and sometimes it's that it's that weird kind of blank stare. It's like Ugh, I don't know. I do want to get out of here. <laughs> oh jeez. Okay, so legally blind. Um, what else has happened like with life? Obviously, you talk about your connection with your grandfather, and I think that's kind of sparked more connections in your in your life and maybe your appreciation. One thing for everybody listening or, or watching right now is Paul has got to be, I need to say, one of the best networkers um, I've ever met, one of the best people when it comes to making connections, um, remembering little things about people, uh, excluding their names, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah, but 
talk about what it's like to basically what's the importance of networking yeah i think it's um i think it's an interesting thing and it's it's been it's been throughout my life um it's it, i don't see networking as networking i don't think networking is just going out to to meet people for business or to kind of do any anything like that what 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 matters in life is, is is truly actually meeting people and caring about people and finding things out about them. And I, I think it's a hard thing to fake. So I, I, I certainly do appreciate what, what you said about me being um, well, a master networker, was that? Was master that? networker, master I think networker. might have come yeah, out, yes. Yeah, it might have yeah. come out. Um, but at the same point too, I'd rather somebody just said that I truly care about people. And for me, it, Names are tough because I identify emotionally with people. And it's something I'm working on because I think it's so important. When somebody remembers my name, it instantly you feel absolutely fantastic. But having that, that caring about people and going through those different things, I think that's, that's what's more important is to live life kind of with someone. Um, that, that came up, I think, more when I was uh, 19. Uh, my, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, lung cancer and it was kind of an interesting situation because for her she'd been into a doctor a number of times uh, complaining about shortness of breath complaining about that and and you hear that so often in in our society is people realizing something's wrong either ignoring it or kind of mitigating it and she was sent home a whole ton of times from the doctors just saying you know what you're fine it's just you know you're just tired or you know you know what you're just kind of complaining it's not that bad well, her lung eventually collapsed. She was about five feet tall. They drained four and a half liters of fluid out of one lung, Holy. which is when they found out about the cancer, which grew off of, uh, uh, she had bronchitis in the seventies. So it just kind of caused some scar tissue in there. And that's kind of what it attached to. Um, she was set, set to just have the lung removed. No, no problem. We'll just get that out. But there was a couple, couple months in between when they identified it and when that should possibly happen. And in that time, it had unfortunately spread uh, from her lung, and then and you get into the chemo and you get into that. Um, but having having gone through that, uh, I think it, it did change. I've, I've always been a somewhat emotional person, and I, I continue to be, and I make no apologies kind of for that, because I think I use that to attach with people and to feel with people. Right. To to really find find what hurts and try to make their lives better. And from a networking standpoint, I think it is that. We all have connections that we can make, and it's just finding out what somebody needs and trying to do what you can to be that. I mean, a simple phone call, a text every so often just saying, I'm thinking about you, how long does that really take out of any of us? Yep. But if you're in a moment of pain and you get a text like that, I mean, that, that can change an outlook. Um, for me, if somebody kind of, kind of knows me, uh, there's certainly things that I kind of work on with that too, because I, I want to in my life to remember even our, our, our flippant um, relationships and interactions, a uh, customer service person on the telephone, a, a tech support person you know, at work, is to remember that a simple moment of, of, of caring can change that person's life. But That's so true. I, I actually practice the exact same thing. I get bombarded with telemarketer calls almost every single day yep. um, at work, and I... I almost always try the exact same thing is you know be as nice as possible even if you don't have time be as nice as you can for those 30 seconds when you tell them you're not interested and maybe you're busy or whatever because 
they're it's their job just like yeah. everybody else gets up and goes to work that's their job to make phone calls and you being rude is not gonna really change the outcome of them and and it, it, it's funny too is having now been that person making those phone calls um i try to be as nice as possible on the phone but yeah there is a requirement with my job where i have to go try to meet people and sometimes it's picking up the phone and, and calling and i will say 98 percent of the people that i call are, are lovely even the ones where it's just like, you know, I don't have time right now, not a problem. I'm, I'm phoning you. I get it. But then there's that 2% two, that, 2 that are just angry. And, and if you would... They hate you right off the bat. And it's, and it's immediate for, for whatever reason, nothing that I've done. And it's funny is that in that, there's probably 1% that I've been able to have longer conversations with. And, and sometimes it has nothing to do with me. We end up having a 10 or 15 minute conversation because they just needed someone to talk to. Somebody to vent to, exactly. Vent to, and we end up having great chats. And, and even for me, I mean, that's very meaningful. And I, I enjoy that, even if it has nothing to do with, with my job, having that connection and being able to talk. I think it's just important to remember that we're all we're all humans. No, that's a that's a big point, is like, it, it's never about you, like you just said. It's it, yeah. We have to be empathetic in those moments and understand that it's it's never really about you. I mean, they could have gotten terrible news. What if their What if their mom just got diagnosed with cancer? You know, what if they got some really bad news about their kid doing something poor in school or something like that, right? And some people cope with it differently. Whereas me personally, I don't like putting that on other people. Uh, but sometimes it's uncontrollable and you have to, you know, let it out and you let it out in rough times. So I never hold anybody to that because I, I try to be as empathetic as possible. You know, initially you feel, wow, why are they being so rude? But then after you default into, you know, it's not about me. You know, I'm empathetic. Something could have happened in their life. Well, and that's just it. That's that's it right there. It's like if you're relying on everybody to treat you right, you're probably going to be very disappointed for your entire life because you don't know the circumstances behind someone else. You don't know maybe what they had to go through. And while it doesn't always justify that negative behavior, if you, you know, you calculate it as negative, uh, but it really does make you sensitive to it to the point where it can cripple you you know, everything becomes external and you don't want things to be external. You don't want your, your psyche to be evolved from something that's, that you can't even control. Like I, if I call you and you're having a bad day and you give me sort of a snappy response and I go, Oh, that David guy, he's, he's you know, he's kind of an asshole. It doesn't really, you know, it's, it's not a true reflection of who you are, but it's also like the way I see myself and the way I see the world, see the world is now completely on the basis of, of what you gave me rather than what I feel inside. Definitely. So where did that take you then? Like where, what part of business in the beginning did that for you? Like where did you start in business and how did that lead you to what you do now? Yeah. Let's go back to like young, younger career. So schooling and things like that, whether it's university or high school, how were you in high school as a student? I, I was good. I mean, I, apart I, from incredibly good looking. Well, there, there was that, although, uh, and I, maybe I wasn't, maybe I had to grow into it too. True. You know, yes. it's, it's always, it's always that, that moment of awkwardness that both, both, you know, teenage guys and girls go through and, and to anyone listening, remember this too shall pass. <laughs> and it, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting time. I, I had a lot of different plans kind of for my life. Uh, I'm surprised at where I'm sitting now because I have a very, very background. I went through my, my high school career. I did a couple of years um, towards an education degree. Okay. I took some time off when my mom got sick. I ended up working for a gentleman uh, doing marketing, which was a, an eye-opening experience for me. 
more because I, I could have seen the possibilities of where he could have taken the business, but I also saw some of the things that he did in business, and he didn't treat everyone as wonderfully as he should have. Um, I've actually wound up with some some great relationships kind of since that. But I think what that taught me more than more than anything was a great thing for a, a 20 year old to, to learn was just the fact that gray areas aren't, aren't gray. You know, we, we can think that we don't hurt anyone, that we don't do kind of anything, but a gray area is closer to black than it ever is to white. And what we have to do is you always have to think, and this will come back to kind of what we were just talking about as well, is how would I want to be treated? You know, um, I ended up going through a, a, a fraud lawsuit and stuff uh, where I, I charged somebody kind of with that after after that whole experience. And that affected me, of course, as we know, with credit ratings and things like that for the next seven to eight years. So it was a lasting lesson for me um, where that kind of that even being the victim, it still marred me for a long period of time afterwards. And I bring that forward kind of in everything that I do now is that that thought that there, even if you're innocent, you know, there's there's areas there that will affect you for years. And, you know, why even put yourself in that situation? So, moving on from that. <laughs> so I ended up going uh, going back to university. I finished up my, my education uh, degree. But Where did you go to university? Uh, university of Alberta. Okay. Gotcha. So Edmonton? Yeah. Okay. I had a major in history, a minor in phys ed. I think I did phys ed so I could basically sit around and do volleyball and basketball, <laughs> a social dance. Uh, yeah, it was, it was great. Great, great couple semesters. <laughs> Notice how they're all revolve around networking and making connections. and like... Yeah, exactly. It seems to be a central theme. <laughs> so that's a valid point. Valid point. When, when I was in my last semester, they, uh, the Alberta Teachers Union came to our classes and they walked through all of the classes and said that they were laying off, I think it was 1,100 teachers. So they said, wow. hey, you know what? Go, uh, go find a new career choice. You know, maybe come back in a few years and see. And I, I, I sat there you know, after hearing that. And of course, again, I, I love to teach it. And I, I, when we talk about the connections and stuff, uh, when I did my student teaching, um, one of them was uh, St. Uh, Francis Xavier in, uh, in, in Alberta. And I taught uh, grade seven through nine. I did some physical education. I did some social studies. Uh, I took on um, social dance for, for grade eights, which my, the teacher thought was kind of funny, but I, I loved it. And I think anytime you bring passion, and Dave, you're very much like this, and we've talked about this. You bring passion to what you do, that passion's infectious. And I had a great time. I think the kids loved it, but I, I did. I loved teaching. I loved having an influence in, in someone's life in a positive manner. So when I got told that I wouldn't be teaching, that of course was a little bit of an explosion in my life, but I just said, you know, much like not allowing being legally blind to, to hold me back, I just decided to move forward. I was just going to keep going. So I ended up working for Sealy, the mattress manufacturer. UEI's job made great money. Within about, I think it was about a year and a half, I ended up, I was managing the evening and night shift. So I was in charge of, I don't know, 45 people, I think, in a unionized environment, which was, again, an eye-opening thing for me as well, is just conflict resolution, um, dealing with people, and dealing sometimes with hostile personalities was something, you know, I think I was, was 22, 23 at this point, dealing with people that, you know, are 40 to 55. So it was an interesting thing trying to trying to earn their respect and, and earn it on a continual basis. And that was one job that I... I 
really found kind of two things. One is just steadfast work. But two is that understanding that being a leader means more about serving than it does leading. You can tell someone how to do something over and over and over, and you know what? They're probably not going to care. But if you stand there beside them and help them learn how to do it with you, um, it's something that will kind of continue continue on. So it was a great, great lesson for me. I left, uh, left Edmonton, um, mostly just kind of for personal choices. My sister was starting to have little baby girls out in, uh, out in Vancouver. So I said, I'm, I'm out of here. So I packed up, moved, uh, moved out to Vancouver uh, for a job, <laughs> arrived for the job and found out that the job had been put off for uh, six months. So once again, you have to go, uh, go kind of find out um, what's going to happen. Um, so what happened is, is that I, I ended up selling some cars for a little bit. I did some side jobs, uh, did some construction, did everything. Uh, being a boy that uh, grew up in, in Edmonton and spent summers on a farm in Saskatchewan, you, you can always find a job if you're willing to work with your hands. But I, I really found like that move to Vancouver was, was just an incredible move for me. So you're in Vancouver, you've already kind of dealt with people at this point, you've got some basic social skills built up, uh, and then you had this bombshell go off and you've had to move to Vancouver. This was a huge move for you, where did you go from there? I had the opportunity at that point to actually go work for Xerox. Interesting. One of those things where I, I was thinking about what skills that I, I really needed as, as life continued. And one of those was, was sales. I think actually walking through and seeing kind of the process of it. So I talked to a few mentors and people that I knew, and each one of them talked about the training that Xerox provided as just being world-class, and it absolutely was. So I had that opportunity to, to work for them, and I, I mean, it was, it was good money too, but I think by and large, the biggest thing that I learned is really the process of dealing with people and kind of walking through. As, as time went on, uh, I moved from there kind of into printing, and it was kind of a, it was another area. I got hired on by a company, was taken away from my previous role, um, mostly because of the, the book of clients that I had. I moved over to help them kind of set up uh, some new processes. Unfortunately, when they hired me, they didn't have anything for me to do. They had no sales position. So I didn't know that until I'd already taken the job and I moved over there. And they said, you know, don't worry, something will open up. Right. After about a year and a half of basically going into the office, Googling stuff, you know, talking to a few of the clients that I was able to keep. Um, after moving over, I, I went to the went to the owner of the company and just said, you know what, thank you very much for all the money that you're paying me. That's wonderful, but I'm I'm not fulfilled. It doesn't make sense for you from a business standpoint. So why don't we just end it here? So we did. Now, what my thought was is is where I was in my life. Um, I was about thirty. 30 uh, around then and I wanted to go traveling uh, in my in my 20s and probably late teens uh, music had been a big part of my life uh, managed to record some CDs uh, did reasonably well kind of in in Vancouver and a little bit across Canada the Fox has a competition called uh, Fox Seeds which is basically local bands, up and coming bands, get a bunch of radio play, uh, get to play for uh, Chad Kruger was one of the uh, was one of the judges. Interesting. And it was it was great. We did we did extremely well in the competition. Things were going bright. Um, I think we were close to to probably moving kind of into that next step when, unfortunately, just it just all kind of fell apart. Um, 
And it, that was, again, I think a disappointing time in my life because once again, I, you, you build up these things in your mind that things are going to, to be fantastic. Where I am now, I can look back and I can see all of these threads that have led me to a, a absolutely wonderful life in Vernon. I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So at this point, I'm happy none of these things have ever worked out. Right, right. <laughs> but when you're in that moment, your world is, is destroyed. So I was kind of at that moment when when I left the uh, left the one job, um, which was a, a printing job and again a sales job. I'd started to do a certified management accountant um, role, and I started to, to to look at that. And I finished the first two years because I didn't have a business or an accounting background. Right. I had to start at the beginning. You know, you know, T accounts, uh, like like the the most basic thing, which was funny. My first class, I walked in. Um, and they actually said to me, they were like, first of all, we're going to teach you about T accounts. But the thing is, you'll never, ever need this because computer programs do this, but we're going to teach you. And I remember putting up my hand, I'm like, you're going to teach me, what, in case the whole world, every computer gets destroyed? Or yeah. the point here. That's Back when they thought the internet was a fad or what? I, well, because well, this was early 2000s still, right? So it was... Oh, this was This was This would have been late 2000s. Oh, yeah. this was... A, Oh yeah, no, no. This so, is, this so there is really isn't any reason. Like people know the internet isn't a fad. We're already past social media as a fad. And I, I, I do get why, why they do it. Is they want that basis. They want you to be able to understand what's going on in a computer program. Right. For me, I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, well, this is six months of my life. That's great. So learn this and then forget it. Check, check that little box off. T accounts. You know, Yay. Because you, you know, <laughs> you know if, if you don't learn it now, you can never go on YouTube or the internet and like, you know, brush up on the knowledge, right? No. If you ever need it. What is it? Gaggle? Gaggle? Gaggle. But I, I, I knew I was kind of in for something though too, is that uh, with the accounting role. So we were sitting in this big um, conference hall, I guess in Vancouver. And one of the head guys for the, the accounting kind of area was standing at the front. And everyone's in there and he's, he's trying to make a point which didn't work for me but he, he he's looking he's like we're all the same all of us are all the same okay all right so who in here is in sales so me and two other guys put up their hands and i'm kind of off to the side They're like okay all right but who's in here in commission sales and those two guys put down their hand of course my hand's still up see look guys we're all the same I'm like <laughs> <laughs> But but it was fine. I mean, it wasn't my forte, but I wanted to learn it. So I, I did actually very, very well kind of going through is that I, I did my first two years, um, which then led me to get my, do the, take the test to actually get into the CMA program, which of course is now, now it's the Certified Professional Accountants. But at the time, okay. it was still separated. Gotcha. So we've gone from CMA to CPA. It went from, you had CMA, uh, so Chartered Management Accountants. Yeah. You had CAs, Chartered Accountants, and you had, you had CGAs. So okay. you, had, you had three different accounting bodies. Each one, honestly, is quite fantastic, but they're all kind of slightly different. Um, but now they've all kind of merged into one body, and all the education has kind of come forward. Basically, you have to get an accounting designation to begin to understand what is even going on from a political level. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's one of those things that you just kind of accept and move on. But you need was... to learn to learn. <laughs> So you were in Vernon going through this program? Uh, I was still in still in Vancouver. Still in Vancouver. Okay, gotcha. So I, I, I took the test and, and, I, and I passed. It was great and I got in. But what I would kind of chosen kind of around then is I was going to go traveling. 
and I planned to take about a year off after this uh, this one job. Right. And I had a friend that was in Korea that was teaching English, so we ended up going off. Um, I filled out all the forms, sent it off, got accepted by a school. Great, wonderful. December 16th. I wrote them and I said, I still don't have my visa. Like, like, have you guys put it in? Oh yeah, no problem, Paul, no problem. Come on over, just, you know, come on over. Because I'd already bought a ticket. So I'm like, okay. So there I was, packing up my backpack, and, and off I went. And hopped on the plane and went over. When were, How long were you planning on staying there? I was going to be there for a year. You were going to be there for a year. Yeah. Okay. And I got over there, and everything was fine. They set, set us up in our place. Um, I had a, a German roommate uh, who's still a good friend of mine. He's over in Hong Kong, I think, teaching right now. But the thing was, is when January 1st came around, I asked them again, I still don't have my, my working visa. And they told me, well, no problem, Paul. We're uh, we're gonna go and go and put in the application. The issue was is that around this time, all of the application uh, processes changed. So with what I had provided them, I couldn't get a working visa. So I was gonna it wasn't even valid. Back. Wouldn't be valid. Oh, I was gonna have to come back to Vancouver, fill it all out again, which is what they suggested, and I kind of laughed at them. So I was there for uh, another couple months. Um, and then I just decided I was going to go traveling. So I ended up going over to Japan, spent a couple weeks in Japan, went down, spent a month in New Zealand where uh, my dad's family is from, spent three, four weeks, I guess, in Australia, spent another month and a bit in, in China, and then eventually came home. But it was, it was an incredible experience for me because, as we've talked about, being a networking, being an emotionally um, emotional person, connecting with people, the fear of traveling alone for me was just rampant. Right. I, I like certainty. I like I like knowing knowing where my feet go and not making a fool of myself. But this trip taught me, um, first of all, I think the importance of people, importance of having uh, strong relationships. And I decided while I was away, instead of having you know two hundred friends, two hundred and fifty friends, I I could be busy every day, just going to social things, seeing people, seeing people. That I I really I wanted five people that knew me, like actually knew me going into it or were you willing to go there and meet people and make the five people that know you from people that you met there no uh, and, and people that i knew i wanted to pare it down um but i ended up meeting some incredible people along the way um theo's uh, still a good friend of mine he's from alaska we traveled new zealand together hi theo hi theo and my friend georgie and actually both of them have come up to visit me since but them and so many other people you end up having these experiences and it brings you together as, as friends. And I, I mean, that's going to last for, for a lifetime. I highly suggest that people go off and travel at some point. If you don't feel comfortable, uh, especially, especially for a girl having two daughters myself, I would say don't go travel alone. But I, I found it pushed me out of my comfort zone. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, and those will be things that I'll, I'll know forever. That's cool, man. That's cool. So you traveled and then did you come to Vernon after that travel or like, cause you had the CPA stuff yep. all sealed up and then you decided to go traveling. So you didn't decide to practice right away. No. And I, I didn't technically do a lot of kind of that traditional stuff, but I think, um, what happened, there was one day walking the great wall of China and it was kind of a funny thing. I, I spent two days walking in China, but I'm, I was standing up there. It was the end of my trip. I missed my nieces like like crazy. I missed my family, and I, I missed some of my friends. Pro probably anyone that's actually listening to this, that's my friend. I mean you. But what happened was, that was meant to be funny, but I guess, okay, all right, we're not 
Yes. We'll cue the crickets. Uh, hello, is this, it. Is, this, <laughs> is this mic on or what? But I was, I was walking on the Great Wall and I'm, I'm looking off to the right, Mongolia, looking off to the left, there's China. And I was feeling sorry for myself. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I, I just want to go home. Like, I wish this trip was ending. And I, I shook my head because I'm like, hey, hey, idiot, idiot, when are you ever going to do this again? And it, again, it was that moment of, of self-realization that why, why not enjoy where you're at? You know, and, and take that day and because, I mean, today will never happen again. You know, being able to spend this time with you guys, this this will probably, you know, especially since that joke just bombed, probably never happen again. <laughs> but but it was an incredible thing. Um, that that trip was, was pivotal for me. I'd been in a bad relationship before I left, um, which had, had ended in, in, in flames. Um, my father had, had come to me probably about a year before it ended and had a very stern talk with me about, about the relationship. And of course, being a, a pig-headed son, I, I listened to him, said thank you, but, but no thank you. And it took about a year after that for me to really kind of give my head a shake and, and realize that, yeah, you know what, uh, if, if you're not happy, you're not doing this, that, that's the only change you can make. There's no sense being in a relationship that both parties aren't happy. And I, I wasn't. So that that trip was really a kind of a, a breaking point for me and a learning point and a growing point for me so when i came back um i i got back i finished my cpa after coming back okay. it was a, a great experience i had great people i went to school with but i i had started kind of in the medical field um doing medical sales for a little while kind of in there and ended up working for a, for another medical company afterwards when i when i finished my cpa and and did management kind of of Western Canada, and we were we were doing angel investing into into small um, small devices, bringing them to market. It, it was a very very exciting. I actually really loved it. The only reason I I left that was because I met my wife, got married, had a kid, and being gone three weeks out of a month isn't really great for your relationships. So, yeah. but stepping back. In between kind of the, the two medical jobs, I, I had a good friend of mine um, that wanted to wanted to take me out. It was August long weekend. He gave me a call. He's like, Paul, what are you doing? I go, oh, sitting in my in my man lair, which was awesome, by the way. <laughs> oh, it was it, my sister laughed that women would actually get repelled as they walked closer to it because it had like the three like lazy boys, like the connected lazy boys. I had, you know, 130 inch projector uh, kitchen table. Why have a kitchen table? Because that just takes up room uh, that the pool table could have. So big pool table in there, set of weights. And that was basically it. So, yeah, uh, my Heather, my, my wife, also was not too impressed with it. And funny enough, I now own nothing that I owned back then. She slowly <laughs> weeded it out like the genius that she is. Well, you did manage to keep the Star Wars stuff, though, right? I did. Yes. Uh, my little Lego clocks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're fantastic. You got something. I got something. I got to keep. Everything else is probably in the crawl that's space. That's the secret. The women give you, like, little crumbs so that you can't say you got nothing. But, uh, you know, it's still minimal things. No, my, my wife is my wife is very smart. Um, I've found, as time has gone on, that we make decisions. They just happen to be the decision that she had thought up a long time ago. So no, kind she's like your parents. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Very much. They're very, very smart people. What, what happened was, so he, he took, took me away for an August long weekend. He just threw me in the back of his Jeep and we went off to a Soyuz. Um, my wife, Heather, at that time had a very good friend that was going through some relationship troubles. So they decided to have a girls weekend and they went down to a Soyuz. We ended up having a mutual friend that kind of knew each other. I, I met Heather and 
I realized the fact that 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 we should date. Uh, I don't think that she uh, cared that much. I was in much better shape and wearing a shirt that was probably still three sizes too small. So she didn't have much to say to me at the beginning until I asked her what she did for a living. And she told me she's a CGA, an accountant. I'm like, oh, I'm doing my uh, my CMA. And immediately she was a little more interested. She was like, oh, you're, you're not just a tool bag, are you? <laughs> like, perfect. So uh, getting, my, getting a CPA actually got me married with a family. So anyone out there being an accountant can be very interesting and uh, fulfilling for your whole life. There we go. Yeah. Lessons learned. Yeah. But it was, it, it was great. Um, she lived up here in Vernon. I lived down in the lower mainland. And through the, uh, I guess, two years that we were dating, the Vernon Hospital was very well serviced by, uh, by my company. I was... I, I had many excuses to come up uh, to do that. And I, I just, I told her immediately, I said, you know what, I'd, I'd like to take you for dinner. And she laughed. She was like, well, I live in Vernon. Oh, oh yeah, I know. Okay, well, we're not, we're leaving tomorrow from a Soyuz. I'm like, but I know. She's like, well, then how's that going to happen? I'm like, well, I, I have a car. <laughs> I will get in my car. I will drive up and I'll take you for dinner. Um, and her parents were, were wonderful for, uh, were kind of putting me up and, um, and getting to know me kind of through through that time period, but they were they were incredible. Um, they were absolutely fantastic, and I think it's a relationship that's that's continued. But relationships are funny, much like we talked about networking. It's it's no different. Uh, my wife is my best friend. I had many friends that that talk about going for beers and getting away from their families and stuff like that. And they ask me, they're like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I'm going to go watch TV with my best friend. It's it's my favorite time of the day is to spend time with my wife. I know it sounds hokey, but that's just kind of how things have started. And I I know some mornings, um, this is going to come as a surprise to you, Dave, but I am not the sweet, lovely person that I am. And I might actually not smell like flowers all the time. (laughs) No, You're but a bit of a bear in the morning. You know, I I don't drink coffee or anything, so I'm actually it's it's funny. I I have some water. I'm up and I'm gone. Where for her, she's a coffee drinker, and she told me early on that she couldn't trust me because I didn't drink coffee. <laughs> like okay, she's like, well, how is the morning going to work? Like I get up and I make coffee and I drink coffee and I slowly start my day. Like 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 how does how does that work for you? I'm like, well, first of all, you get more coffee. She's like, oh, I see. Actually, that's okay. That's all right then. But but it's it's a funny thing with a relationship is because you have to choose to be in a relationship. Um, and Dave, you and I were talking before we started recording and we decided not to uh, not to air any of that, but <laughs> that's okay. But one of one of the things too is is that you have to know how you receive love and you have to know how you give love. And you need to know that for your partner too, because relationships aren't easy. I mean I think dating is easy because you have the choice. You can just leave, you know, and, and it shouldn't be a whole lot of work when you're going through that, that dating. And I got caught in a relationship where, you know, there was the excitement of the fight, the fight to be in the relationship. Oh, everything's terrible. We're breaking up. Okay. We're back together. It's almost what keeps some of those relationships alive. And, the, and like that's the lifeblood of it is all that tension. Oh, it's like the stock market. It can't survive yeah. without the boom and the bust and exactly. the boom and the bust. Just the drama. But it, but it shouldn't be. It should be easy. And, you know, as, as kids and life and work and mortgages and, and debt and all of this stuff start to pile on, you will be so thankful that your dating relationship was easy, that getting to know each other was easy, but it does take work. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox there for a little bit, but 
Um, I stole my wife away from Vernon. We went down to the lower mainland. Uh, we were down for, I guess, about a year and a half, almost two years when she told me that while I have an okay personality, it wasn't enough to make, make up for taking her away from the Okanagan. And, and I, I resisted kind of moving back, but I, we, we made that choice as a family to, to come back kind of to a small town, which, which I mean, isn't really that small. Growing. There's, and, and, and it it's is, it's growing. City, yeah. But I mean, it's not, it's not a small town. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. But, but it's, it's an interesting town because of the values. Um, I, I spent my summers on a farm in Saskatchewan where everyone knew you. I mean, if you, I, it, if you led, let, left mud tracks, you know, on somebody's, you know, property, everyone knew, literally everyone. So it was an interesting thing is because you have to watch how you treat people. And we talked about this before is, is how you treat people kind of spread out. And I find Vernon's very much like that. You end up with so many people here that know each other and you don't know where the connections are, so which I think is wonderful because I think we should be held accountable for our actions. And being able to know people, I mean, Dave, you and I were introduced by Laureen, um, and and that was that was a connection that that had happened kind of a year before. And I mean, I'm very thankful for that. And it's it's those kind of things in a town like Vernon that I think are just incredible because we value people for people, we value people um, for what they can bring to the community and and for what they do. I, being part of JCI has been a great example because being exposed to that many people between age 20 and 40 that want to make a difference, that want to be involved in a community. And that just doesn't stop as someone that's uh, aging out, unfortunately, as I've become uh, quite uh, on in years. You know, I, I've become involved in Rotary and, and you see that. You see people that care and and caring for your neighbor, whether whether they want you to care or not, I think is important. And I think it's something that we've lost. Um I, I think about all these different movements um, that have happened in, in, in the last little while. It, it's really, it's people wanting to be treated fairly, people wanting to be treated equal. And again, going back to that idea that that it matters how we treat, you know, everyone that, that we, we walk into. And uh, I, I, I look at even social media and growing up, it wasn't nearly as important as it is now. But we have to be careful how we present ourselves from a very young age. You know, and we have to look at at what we're putting out there uh, to society. Is that is that really what who we are and what we want to put out there? And not only that, I'm so happy you bring that up because it's not just is that what we want to put out. Is that what we want our grandchildren and our great grandchildren to see and know about us? Yeah. Because that's what they're going to be doing. We're all writing our legacy. Yeah. We live in such an interesting era now. People put down social media for what it's doing but really the reality of what it's doing is just exposing us it's making it so that that small town in saskatchewan where everybody knew everybody is now a same way applicable to a massive city like toronto or new york i like it too because it, it keeps us accountable and just like you said with uh, relation to your relationship like it's 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 all kind of the same thing. It's really open the playing field. And for me, I love it because I try and be as genuine as I can. I can't imagine practicing in an area even like Vancouver where one, there's so much, so many more competition. There's 10,000 realtors down there, but here there's maybe around 300. And that's the thing. Why would 
I bother practicing somewhere where my reputation is not as important. I would rather go into a place where my reputation is important because then I can start to build that reputation. And that is hugely, hugely important. And right there is, is where it's so important because you can't fake being a good person anymore. If you are a good person, you will win. You cannot fake that anymore. And that's where it comes down to actually providing value to the other person. Like Paul was saying, when, when you're networking, trying to solve people's problems, you can't hide that anymore. Being a good person is now practical. It's, it's going to come back to you tenfold, whether you believe in karma or whatever it is. That's how the world is going to work now with social media exposing everybody. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely does. And I mean, even when I was doing music, we were kind of radio hard rock, probably as hard as you could kind of get to, to the point of being on that radio. It's, it's, it, it was, uh, Push the boundaries a little bit. It, it was, yeah. it was great. I, I had a, I had a ton of fun with it, but I, I refused to swear in any of the songs because I didn't want, I wanted my nieces to be able to listen to it. I mean, I grew up as a pastor's son. Uh, my dad actually sells real estate now, but, uh, he, he always laughed. He said, uh, I went from, uh, selling homes in heaven to selling homes on earth. <laughs> But I mean, even with that, I, I, I look at I look at my life, and and exactly to your point, you want to deal with people fairly. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I got into the field that I'm in now. I've I've got a varying background, but uh, having that accounting designation really does help me out a lot. And I I came to Vernon. I met with um, with James at Dominion Securities, and I gave him a little presentation and told him that he should should hire me. And a huge respect for him. He said, Paul, that's, this is a big change. He's like, what I want you to do is go around, go interview at a few other places. And I, I had a couple already set up with, uh, again, people that I knew in town had, had directed me towards it. And I went and I met, and I met some absolutely fantastic uh, other, other companies here in Vernon. And, and Vernon is very blessed to have such, uh, such incredible people looking after their financial affairs. But I ended up coming back to, to Dominion Securities because I felt for me it was it was the best place for me from a, from the amount of research that that they do into different funds is that my my job is to help guide someone whether it's you know you know into their their taxation and income whether it's just saving for retirement whether it's any of that and I I, I take it very seriously and being trained as an accountant I think uh, really kind of helped me out. But what what do you want to put forward? What what foot do you want to do? I I have a picture um, of my forty nine Chev. It was a short wheelbase one ton that uh, we bought on the farm. Uh, Grandpa bought it in oh I think nineteen fifty one. They bought a plot of land. They they literally showed up to this house on this on this plot of land and walked in the door and there were still dinner plates on the table. Like whoever it was just got up and just left. And what a funny thing kind of of that time around the 50s where if the farm just didn't work, you know what? You just loaded up a car and left. The truck was still there. So that became a truck that my uncles bombed around in for years. Um, I'm kind of right in the middle to middle low end of all my cousins. A number of them had tried to buy the truck off my grandpa. But it, it waited for me when I was 16. Um, and I still remember it. We were, we were sitting in um, in a big swing that he had kind of made. And I, I asked him about it, like, you know, what's going on with the truck? And he sold it to me for a dollar, a loony, and then he gave me the loony back. Um, and I, I feel I feel guilty, guilty that I wasn't able to fix it up while he was alive. But those pictures sit there uh, as a reminder for me, both for things that are going to come, for dreams that are going to happen, but as well as for where I came from. 
um, from humble roots and humble beginnings. Uh, I think it's it's important to to remember that every single person is someone's grandparent, you know, someone's mom, someone's dad, someone's kid. Um, Dave, for you, someone's daughter. As as, <laughs> as 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 you're dating, um, but it's but it's important to have that that respect and that uh, that idea as as things move forward that 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 we are people and we we need to be respected and we need to be done. Uh, Shelby, having get gotten to know you a little bit, I know that you approach business in a similar fashion. Where I mean, whether whether somebody and I'm, I'm going to use air quotes right now goes with me you know, becomes my client or not, I have no problem sitting down and giving a thought and an idea. I, I, I can't sit there and talk about product with someone because my job is about knowing someone. The same thing for you. I mean, knowing what somebody wants and using your knowledge will lead them into their dream home, yeah. you know, and I, I love getting to know people. I, I absolutely adore it. I had this exact conversation with someone yesterday because they're using multiple realtors until they kind of narrow down their search. Most people don't know that using one person, whether it be investments or mortgages or real estate in my case, um, it actually has a huge advantage using one person, but you have to go through that process knowing that that one person needs to be trusted. And so I met up with these people and and you know they let me know straight away that they were using other realtors for the day they're you know basically in the preliminary side of the process and so at the end of it at the end of the showing i just said look i understand if you want to go with somebody else I, it really needs to be a an issue of comfortability for you but what i'm not going to do is i'm not going to call you up and just say oh here is your personalized search that everyone else get, gets put on call me when you want to see a home and that's the only thing i want to do with you no that's not the way the process works i want to go to coffee i want to establish what your yeah. goals are establish where you want to be establish where you are in the process so that i know how to work better and it needs to be personalized it needs to be professional but it also it needs to be personalized because otherwise it's all the same thing and I don't want my business model and the way that I view things to be put on that I don't want it to be you know cut and paste to the next person absolutely it's always different and I'm sure you get that a lot in your yep. job people come to you with different things and you have to you have to bridge the gaps because everything comes back to procedures and processes and there's certain things obviously that we all have to adhere to but how much does that affect you? Like how, how different can things get? How, how important is that in your business? It's, it's, it's extremely important. Um, I mean, going back to the reason why I kind of took this job was a lot for, for the research that that's done. Um, it's, it's understanding where, where somebody wants to go. Right. None of us have a crystal ball. None of us know what's going to happen. A good example is uh, what's been happening kind of with, with corporate taxation, with the changes that, that the government has put forward. Things change, and, and we don't know. And all we can do is, is develop a plan and develop that trust and begin to understand. Um, I have a client right now that's quite sick, and I went and visited him in the hospital. And he couldn't say much, um, but one of the words that he said was trust. And I'll, I'll be honest, we, I, I bawled my eyes out with him for, for 15, 20 minutes because, I mean, you get, you're, I'm, I like him. I think he's an absolutely fantastic guy. And, and you know, it, it kills me to, to know kind of what, what he and his family are going through. But if I was in his position, I, I think about this all the time. If I'm in his position, who would I want sitting across from me? And, and I would want someone that I, I knew I could trust because it's, it's such an important thing. 
like and, and and once trust is broken in any relationship like you know and and I, I i mean this completely whether it's you know a marriage whether it's dating whether it's anything that trust is almost impossible i find to to rebuild yeah, absolutely. um so it needs to be respected right from the beginning and there has to be that uh that that knowing but that's it's why i, I love my job i i do i i every morning i wake up and and i think about what i can do for someone um and and hopefully i run into the person that i can interact and help well the why is extremely important otherwise we're just spinning our wheels yeah and i've found it very very difficult to get meaningful work done and wake up with that positive mentality being like i really want to get up today without the why it means nothing yeah. and that's the unfortunate part of a lot of careers these days is that they don't have the why you're working for um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people that can work, you know, a general nine to five and, you know, for another company. And as long as that company has the culture behind it, it seems like you can have a very successful workforce that they do see that why. When I was cooking back in the day, it was always you need to believe in the restaurant as a whole, yep. not just your role in it. You shouldn't be working here just to get a wage. And that's always followed me because without the why, it's so hard to wake up excited every morning. And, and making that making that connection with people being able to explain something um dave i'll use you you as an example oh great yeah <laughs> lovely. <laughs> lovely lovely perfect perfect but for me i yeah i i want to eat healthy i'm going to apologize that i brought in mcdonald's fries to to start this off but <laughs> but 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 i do and and one of the things for me is is that I, I like to invest in your passion and by investing means that I go and buy your food, but you have such a passion for what you do is, is finding, finding meals that are going to be healthy for people that are going to be well-rounded. And I mean, and your passion goes far beyond even just the menu that you have, um, into holo holistic nutrition and all of those various different things is that for me, I want to find an expert, you know, and, and you know, significantly more, more than I do kind of in that nature but you are a, also able to talk to me in a way that I understand. I don't need to understand everything. I just need to understand enough that you know and that that trust can be built. And I think that's an important thing. And I, it's why I think both of you, you know, are and will be extremely successful in your jobs is because of that connection, that ability to impart the trust into someone so that they don't have to worry about it and be like, oh, all right. Yeah. Dave, Dave says that I should have more uh, tomato paste in my... Uh, in my uh, butter chicken yeah in my butter chicken it's perfect you know and and it's important and that's that's one of the things that i that I, that I love about vernon is just having those multiple connections if you need to know something vernon is a big city because of all the talent that we have here Very from true. from yeah. artists to musicians to uh to to the, the restaurants even though we don't have a ton of restaurant pardon me a ton of restaurants the restaurants that we do have are exceptional yeah, absolutely. Especially for a small town or a small city of 50,000 people. Yeah. We actually have quite the impressive culinary scene. I, I hear a lot of people talking smack about Vernon just because it's compared to Kelowna, but it's like you got to realize Kelowna's three times bigger in a much different culture. It's totally different, but there are neighbors too. Like we can tap into all of that as well. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll apologize to Vernon. When I was, um, before I really spent time in Vernon, I used to drive through. And what do you see? You just see along the highway. You see that tiny little smidgen of downtown, which uh, it, it's really nice that the old uh, the old BMO building is now kind of rebuilt into Vernon Dental. Um, but 
but where where is it? You get a small glimpse of downtown. I mean, in those buildings, I, I love kind of 30th there, um, where I think they've done an absolutely fantastic job, but it doesn't reflect the, the beauty that Vernon has in both its people, in its culture, in that. And more than anything, we still behave, like I've said before, like a small town where people matter and, and, and we care. And people that want to be involved can be involved. And I mean, if people want to meet people in Vernon, you get involved in some of these not-for-profits. You get involved in coming to any of these networking events. And I find we're extremely welcoming. Uh, JCI, Rotary, any of these different things is that we love people, yeah. love them. There's so many, there's so many different great groups to be a part of. And the thing that I actually love, people ask me all the time, what do you like about being a business owner the most? And it's, it's hard to pinpoint one, but if I really had to, I will say that the biggest thing, and I think it's applicable in Vernon as a scene as well as to be honest, it's just the pure creation, being able to have an idea and then immediately be able to put it into practice and let the market decide whether it's going to work. And I think that's the exact same with anybody that wants to do anything with in Vernon because there's so much support backing it. Just the fact that we're able to start a podcast and surround ourselves with the right technicians and the right guests and people is phenomenal. But if we wanted to start a nonprofit, the three of us, we could do it and we would have the support. We would have people wanting to, to help us and, and be a part of that journey. So yes, the pure creation is the big thing. And I'd actually like to segue, speaking of pure creation, I know, Paul, you were saying that, you know, your father's a pastor. I'd, I'd really like to hear a little bit more about your relationship with religion from growing up and uh, even now. Yeah, how, how has it impacted your business? Like, what, what things do you take from it? Because there's obviously lessons from everything that we learn. But how has that helped you? Absolutely. Um, religion is a, is a very personal thing. Um, I, I, I come from, a, I guess, a background where you try to live what you preach is probably the best way to put it. So I, I probably don't talk enough about, about my religion than I probably should. But having a, a brother that was a pastor, having a father that was a pastor, it was a very conservative, very traditional Christian role. But what my father taught me throughout everything was challenge. Challenge what you believe. Uh, ask questions. Find out different things. Um, and it's, it's it's something that I've I've thanked him for many times. It's just not that idea that what's said from the pulpit is one hundred percent truth. My my dad uh, has a master's of divinity. He's a very 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 smart man. He's been uh, just for fun, you know, writing books on different books of the Bible because I guess that's what you do nowadays. Just <laughs> you know, just for fun. But he. He always brought things to his sermons where it was, uh, what's the historical background? Who is the one doing this writing? Um, because, of course, the Bible as truth um, had to be written by somebody and using somebody's mind and someone's kind of brain um, to be able to interpret what what was to be said. So for me, I'm, I'm a very, I'll call it a realistic Christian. I, I, I believe wholeheartedly, especially kind of in, in what Jesus said, you know, love, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, uh, just, you know, just throwing that out there for, for those of us that are super religious. You know, whatever, whatever. It's no, no biggie. But it, it's that idea of love again that I, I, I look at, at, at what Jesus did. And I mean, Jesus spent his time with, you know, uh, we'll call them the, the, the people of society that nobody else wanted to deal with. And why? Well, he kept saying that, like, that's, you know, these are the people that I, that I, that I came for. Um, 
Jesus opened up religion to, 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 to the Gentiles. And over and over, it's love, it's love, it's love, it's love. And he just talked about that. But of course, as, as humans, we have a need to compartmentalize. We have a need to put things in boxes. We have a need to understand. Um, we have a need to, to, to do a set of rules. Uh, my, my wife and I talk about this a fair bit. Um, Paul was an interesting person kind of throughout the New Testament because he put structure to what Jesus had said. And the, the question is, is at, at what point does, is there too much structure and not enough relationship? Right. And I, I, I won't, uh, I won't go into that because I don't want to anger anyone, uh, kind of for that, but it's, I, I always find it's interesting to read through the Bible and, and find little things. Uh, Dave's probably gonna ask me a question for a little bit on, on something on Elijah, which, uh. Um, uh, we, well, I, I'll just go into it's it. It's gotta be, it's gotta be my favorite story of all time. I remember, <laughs> I remember the, the absolute shock and jaw drop. My jaw just completely dropped when I heard this because it, it was so practical, but at the same time it was so, it, I don't know, just talk, please. Just, no words. Just, just go. No words can describe this. So, so again, I think anything that brings uh, attention to the Bible and, and attention really to, to treating people better, I think is incredibly important. I mean, I don't care if someone's religious or not. You know, treating the people around you um, as you want to be treated. And sometimes, and I, I will say that to some people, uh, please treat them better than you want to be treated. But that's besides the point. Um, so Elijah and Elijah, just just for funsies, were kind of walking around. And Elijah, of course, had been a, a very positive person and had lived his whole life, you know, and um, in, in some ways almost been been blameless. He, he'd followed God throughout his whole life. So he was one of the people that that didn't have to go through death. So, depending on the translation that you do, uh, or that you kind of read, there was a fiery chariot that came to get him. Uh, now, sometimes there's it's a, a, a fiery wall or whatever, and and you know after Any chariot in the sky. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and then all of a sudden there's just kind of his cloak there, but he was rewarded by not having to die. Now, the question is, you know, you're five thousand years ago, and you're sitting there. There's a huge ball of fire and some kind of chariot. Well, what was the fastest thing in the day? Well, chariots. So if you're going to describe something, you know, that is super fast, you'd probably use the word chariot. Great. Okay. Um, big ball of fire. Okay. So something covered in flames and stuff. Okay. Fair enough. Now, if it was going to be described today, I'm just going to say one word and I'm just going to throw it out there and think for yourself and don't think that I've got a tinfoil over my head, but I think it's a funny thing to think about. Spaceship. Huh? Yeah. It you know, again, it's something that that ascended. I mean, Jesus ascended into the sky to I go to prepare a place for you. So obviously then there has to be a physical place for us to go to because he didn't just fade in, you know, like the end of a movie. He ascended into the sky. You know, Elijah was taken by a fiery chariot up into the sky to a physical location. So I'm just saying, I'm like, it's it's they didn't have planes, they didn't have cars. He's proving the existence of aliens. What? Spaceship. Hashtag spaceship. That's how you would describe it in today's age. Hashtag spaceship would be flying around right now. So it sounds like you don't as much, you know, praise the Lord in that in that sort of traditional sense where you really take those positive messages and apply them to your life. You you really connect on love on a certain level, correct? Well, and and I think um and praise praise is another aspect. Um you know, and I but what I what I try to do is follow follow those teachings. Yes, I you know, I being a mu musician, I connect very much kind of through through musical praise. Right. Um Paul talks and I've talked about this with my daughters, you know, pray unceasingly. Like what is what is the worst thing? Is it so bad to think that there's someone up in the sky, 
and I'm just, you know, air quotes again, but that cares about all of us that actually wants you to have good things. Like we're, we're in, in a society right now where, uh, you know, we're talking about bullying. We're talking about all of that. So what's, what's the, what's the problem with thinking that there's someone up there that wants us to have a decent life, that wants us to interact well with each other. Um, you look through the Bible and where in there does it keep saying that, hey, you know, why don't we have wars against each other? I mean, my family comes from a Protestant kind of end, and you know, the, the fourth and fifth crusades by the Catholic Church were, were against my family. Um, I have many Catholic friends. I've got no problem with it. But this is this is our human fingers that keep we keep messing it up. Uh, the Old Testament over and over was was God trying to build a relationship. You know, and I, I don't care if you think about God as, as a physical, you know, man in the sky or, or kind of around all of us, but it's not the worst thing to think that somebody cares enough about us to build a world for us, to to want us to, to, to have decent lives with each other. We keep talking about treating people well, you know, that's basically what Jesus talked about over and over. So in my head, why not? And then, but don't, don't take it so seriously that, um, that you want to start a war because you disagree with where a comma is in the Bible. That's the, that's one of the things that I, I notice a lot is look, am I a religious person? I don't know. I don't label myself as Christian or Muslim or Judaism. Jewish. Is that Jewish is okay. Sorry. Um, (laughs) but I mean, do I believe in some sort of creation? Do I believe in a universe uh, and an all power? Absolutely. I do. So, I mean, in that aspect, I don't really mind if anybody else believes what they want to believe in. I think everybody should believe what they want to believe in, especially if it makes you a better person. Like in in your case, Paul, where you're talking about love and being a better person. The way I have issues is when somebody tries to impose their belief on me claiming that it's better and I need to believe that. Mm -hmm. I I, I think that we all just need to respect a a single person's belief. I really do. Everybody has what they believe in, what makes sense to them. And as as long as we're all going to the same place of let's be better people, Mazel tov. You mean, mean like uh, what flavor of tomato soup do you like best? Because my flavor of tomato soup is by far the best. It's, I don't know. It's the it's, best. It, is, it is the best tomato soup. I don't know. The sprouted fig makes a pretty good tomato <laughs> Actually, soup. Actually, that, that is fair. Okay. You know what? Your, your tomato soup is the best. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> your, yours might come in a close second. I'll give you that one at least. We'll go with that. Sprouted yeah. fig tomato soup. Winner. Yes. I, I agree. Because, I mean, ultimately religion in my in my mind is meant to bring us together it's not meant to to divide us so i mean exactly who ca- who cares about the tomato soup you're going to eat tomato soup so why not why not put it all together and everyone just share some tomato soup very well said yeah very well said and i think that kind of like is an important aspect into what we've been talking about with being accountable to people it connects to the social media it connected to your travel it connected to uh, some of the ideas that you have with you know, relations with your wife or, and, and the advice that you gave for people, um, in relationships is that religion can have that, that aspect. I mean, that's one of the important aspects of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's not always just that the issue that is God real or is he not real in Alcoholics Anonymous, he's a fundamental part. God is, is a fundamental part of that entire framework. And I think that relates back completely to what I was saying in the restaurants is that you need to believe in something bigger than yourself. 
And that's what often keeps addicts accountable through that program. Mm -hmm. It's because they need something that's bigger than themselves in order to bring it down. So I don't think we should be, you know, scapegoating something. If someone doesn't believe in religion, they shouldn't be like, well, how can it be part of Alcoholics Anonymous? It's wrong. It's this, it's that. And it's it's not it's not wrong because it's been helping so many people and I think it's important to realize the reason behind that it's not just that Alcoholics Anonymous is successful because of the 12 steps it's also because of the fundamental component of having something to be accountable that's bigger than yourself yeah oh definitely and yeah just going going into that I mean it's as long as we're all going to the same place where we're all trying to be better people I really don't care how you get to it. No. If you're a Jehovah's Witness, if you're a Christian, if you're Jewish, if you're Muslim, honestly, as long as your goal is to try to be a better person and do good for the world, mazel tov. So Paul, talk a little bit about, I guess, um, some some relationships you have and the importance of, of having a few real solid mm -hmm. important relationships rather than maybe sprinkling a few acquaintances in the mix. I think it's funny as, uh, as, as you look back and you look forward kind of at your life and, and you look at certain points of your life and wonder what in the world is going to happen. I, I had a, a friend of mine uh, commit suicide uh, last year and it was, a, it was a difficult point for me as well as, as he and I had talked uh, roughly off and on uh, once a week or once every two weeks and, and, and it, it still worries me and it still strikes me as, you know, did he not feel comfortable giving me a call? Were, was there were there things going on in his life um, that that I didn't know about? And I think being able to have people that know you, people that you can trust, people that you can be vulnerable with, people that you can be wrong with, it, it's so important. We we live in this Google world, um, uh, a world of paper plates. All the information in the world is available at our fingertips, so we don't really actually need to know anything. All relationships that we have, um, you know, we can, we can, you know, end it with a girlfriend, you know, take her off of, uh, you know, change our relationship status and then go straight on some app and just, you know, swipe it left, right? Right. Right. Swipe, swipe right and, and find a new one. I mean, where's, where's the value of any of our, of any of our relationships anymore? And if we stop valuing other people and stop valuing what they can bring to our lives, what they're good at them as people then how can we value ourselves? And ultimately then, if we can't value ourselves, then what? how easy to, is it for us to get to that point of thinking that no one will care, that no one will miss us when we're gone, and it becomes this, this cyclical thing that keeps getting worse and worse and worse because we don't see value in ourselves. And I, I look around Vern and I look at, at, at my friends and, and kind of what I've done and I, I, I have, I have a funny personality. I, I think so because I, I, I do try a little bit of, of, of shock and awe. Um, I end most of my conversations with "I love you," I, I love you. Hi, Dave. I love you, Dave. You know, and and, and I end that, and I, I mean that kind of in two ways. One, I don't think we can we can hear we we cannot hear "I love you" enough ever. We cannot hear enough that someone values us. So why why not end it that way? And even if it's funny, I, I like to think that it brings brings you know a smile to someone's face because i want them to know that that they're important to me um i have accidentally ended a client call with i love you too because maybe maybe i say it too much so that was uh <laughs> but the, even, whether it's a joke or not the 
the words I love you have yeah. a specific meaning attached to them that, like you said, is, is important for people to hear. And and, and and they need to they need to have action behind it. You know, and that's that's part of the thing too. I mean, it's so easy for us to send a heart emoji. Um, it's so easy for us to just, you know, casually, flippantly, you know, give a punch to, to, to a shoulder. But love isn't just a word. Love is getting up every day and worrying about somebody and making sure that they that they truly are appreciated and that, that they know that. And I, I, I challenge most friends and most people to make sure that you have relationships like that. And if you don't, I will guarantee you that there's people in your friendship circle that also don't. Ask somebody out for a coffee, a, a beer if you want, you know, if you're old enough. Um, really, yes, kind of, <laughs> there, now, now we can go for beers. But, but why not take, take values? Uh, Dave, when, when Dave and I met, he went home and he told his mom that he was hanging out with a guy that was almost 40. So, yeah, I would tell I would tell her just like I don't know. I just said, look, I I met this guy at a networking event. He he seems like a pretty cool guy. We've hung we've hung out a few times. We've gone to lunch. We've had a few drinks, and you know I really resonate with him. We we share really similar values. He's a great guy. And she said, oh, interesting. Okay, and you know she's hearing all these things. So then, Paul came in for lunch one day, and I said, oh, this is a great opportunity to introduce him to my mom, uh, B Beatrice. And uh, so I called her over, and Paul, you take care of the rest, please. <laughs> Let, the, let us know how that conversation went. <laughs> she was she was very cute. I, I absolutely adore your mom. But she kind of looked at me and she's like, oh, okay. All right. I get it. But it, but it was funny too is because, yeah, like uh, she, she went through, it's like, okay, well, is he married? Oh, okay. Well, does he have kids? Oh, okay. Well, what, what does he do? You know, and, and went through that things. And, and your mom is lovely and your mom is protective as she should. Um, everyone, um, everyone needs someone that wants to protect them, you know, in, in, in our lives. But yeah, she, she just kind of, she laughed. We had a quick conversation and she just kind of looked, she's like, oh, I get it. And as time has gone on, I think she kind of gets it, gets it more is that there's a, there's a brotherly rivalry probably yes. between the two of us. Bromance, they call it. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it's a funny thing is one of my, one of my other best friends is 75, you know, a gentleman at church. He, he got married last year and I was the best man in his wedding. Um, 75. 75. 74. That's really cool. Yeah. His wife's 80. Um, they are an absolutely lovely couple. They, they are so in love. It is by far the cutest thing. Um, but we met shortly after his wife passed away and we've gone for coffee kind of every week at church. We've, we've sat together. Um, and it, there's that, there's that time factor, that time of getting to know someone and spending time and truly loving someone. And I think, for, for him, we've talked about that a fair bit as I challenged kind of some of his ideas and some of what his thoughts were. And that actually, he, he had said, led him to the point where he could get married again and find love. And they are, they are so cute together. But age, age is a number. I mean, ultimately, find someone, I will say this, find someone that disagrees with you. Someone that, that, that tells you no. If you're, if you're surrounded by people that tell you yes, then you're not growing. You're not challenging, challenging yourself. And have that conversation um, with somebody. Find some topics that are interesting, that are divisive, and, and do that. But spend the time to get to know. If you're in a place where you are depressed, if you're, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling certainly like, um, like there is no change, my, my story, if, if it's been anything, um, I hope is just resiliency. Um, my, my life hasn't been too bad. I mean, being born blind, it's never really affected me. I think I've r risen above that. 
Um, losing my mom uh, at, at 21 was a very difficult thing in my life. But my mom always said, tomorrow will be better. And it's something that's resonated throughout my life. Uh, my One of my best friends as well, he lost his mom six months before. And that was, we hung out a whole bunch just because we didn't want to talk about losing our mom. Like, you know, that's just, that's life. And you wake up and you move forward. And some days, some days it's like putting on lead boots and you just keep going and you keep going because you know what, whatever we're going through, there will be an end to that suffering and find someone that you can talk about it with, find someone that cares enough to do that. If you don't have someone that, that cares enough about, about you, you know what, give me a call. I'm more than happy to, to, to have a chat. And, and, you know, and my life, my life is about connections and finding connections in people and sometimes connecting other people. But just know the fact that there's someone out there that's going to care enough about you um, and find people that you don't have to ask for help. Yeah, that's awesome. And sometimes, I mean, going back to that, not only having people that you can talk to, but sometimes, and knowing that there's an, there's an end to the suffering eventually, but almost sometimes what always helps, we spoke about this with, uh, with Darren on our last episode, is just understanding that somebody's always got it worse. It could, it could always be worse than it really is right now. And it, that just tends to put things into perspective, even when it seems the hardest, even when you're putting on those lead boots. Yeah. Man, thank you so much for like coming in and, and sharing all this stuff with us. I mean, a lot of people, when they see an investment banker, they see someone completely different. I mean, it's, it's very humbling to, to speak with you and just your views on, on love and relationships and, and networking and all of that because you really strip it down to the core of, of why you're doing things. And I think there's, there's always something to be said for that. So I want to ask you just a final question, sure. you know, maybe a minute or two. If you're speaking directly to someone that's you know, 18 years old, just coming out of high school, the world is a big, scary place. I had to learn it the hard way in, in many ways, and, and I'm sure David is as well. I mean, we're all learning together in our own ways, and we all have different developmental cycles and everything like that. Now, what would you tell this 18-year-old to help them on their path? Oh, goodness. Um, first thing is, don't let anyone tell you that they've walked in your shoes. Um, I, I really don't care what someone has gone through or anything. Each one of our paths is, is vastly different. Know that there will be setbacks, whether that's today, whether that's tomorrow, uh, whether that's in six months, realize the fact that there will be changes to your plan. Next, I, I still believe hard work is rewarded. Yes. Um, find a plan and do it. And I, you know, I don't I, be the best at whatever you choose to do. Um, I had a good friend that, uh, that, that worked at, worked at McDonald's and worked their way, you know, right up into, uh, right up into head office. Um, and nothing that nothing bad kind of against that, but they chose that as their career path right. and they, they went for it and just do it. So put, jump, jump two feet in, um, realize that what you do, own it. Never, never be embarrassed for anything that has come in your life because being embarrassed, uh, just doesn't help anyone. So own it, be yourself and be proud of yourself, but just, just enjoy, enjoy where you're at. Enjoy every single day that you're alive. Um, and realize that there's people around you that enjoy you and just take solace in that. Have fun, enjoy it. It's a, it's, it's a great ride. And, um, not that my ride's over, but oh, I'd like to do it again. <laughs> there's importance in that, man. There's, it's it's so important. I mean, we 
get harped on all the time from social media you know like live in the present live in the present and it's so difficult to do because we're always like like you said you have you know especially early on you have that need for certainty and we always want that need for certainty that's why people want quick fixes but often life is not like that life is about that constant developmental journey so like that's and it's cool it's funny i mean i i grew up wanting to be a rock star and sitting here being a, uh, a hopefully, you know, a good father to two lovely girls and a good husband. I mean, that's my focus. And my wife asked me once if I, if I wish music would have worked out. I, I, I can't say yes, because that would change where I am today. And I have an absolutely incredible life. No, that's, that's, cool. that's, that's such a great way to look at things is like everybody always says, well, if you had it to do over again, I actually, to be honest, if I'm going to be straight with everybody, I hate that question. If you had it to do over again, if you had one to do over again, what would you do different? Nothing. The big question is, are you happy with your life today? Yes. Then if you are, you shouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Because every little thing, good or bad, that led up to it has brought you to where you are today every little thing and if it's not good right now it's probably going to be a month down the road three months down the road life happens in cycles it's crazy and and it yeah. won't make sense to you now it'll make sense to you later exactly yeah awesome learned. well paul thank you so much for being on the show it was uh it was really a pleasure having you and, and hearing your thoughts Excellent. on everything thanks very much for having me that was great yeah appreciate so. it man so uh you know, folks, let us know in the comment section of all our platforms what you guys thought. This was a really fun episode. I think we all learned a little bit, not only about each other, but ourselves. And I hope we you got the same thing out of it. So, Paul, thanks again. And uh, hopefully we can have you on again sometime in the future. Yeah, thanks very definitely. much, guys. And if you guys want to check out Paul, he's uh, he's on Facebook. He's on uh, he's got his website on social media. Just just find him. We'll even link him. Uh, we'll link him in the description of everything as well. So thank you so much for watching, everybody, and see you all next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks.